Loudspeaker Studios. Welcome to the Hangover Liberation Society, the podcast celebrating the unexpected benefits of leading a zero-proof lifestyle. My name is Adrian Vandervalk. And I'm Erin Ranta, and we are the co-founders of Reva Recovery Support and the originators of the Hangover Liberation Method. And today we are going to talk about the benefits of traveling sober. Yes, in honor of the change of the season and warmer weather and summer vacation, let's just dig into the benefits of being sober for your vacations. Actually, you know, maybe we should talk about like what vacations were like before we got sober. Do you have any that come to mind that you would like to share about? I definitely have always been a big traveler, grew up traveling with my family. That's always been a really big part of my life. But any trip that I took basically in my 20s and 30s involved a large amount of looking for liquor stores, looking for bars, looking for parties, and a lot of time recovering from those bar liquor store party experiences. So, and it's not that they weren't necessarily fun. In many cases, they were cultural experiences. Those were different depending on where I was. So I don't want to discount them altogether and say, you know, it was always bad and it was always a disaster. I mean, I had some really good times, but I also, I think, missed out on a lot of experiences that I could have had either because I was too hungover to get on the tour bus or make the arrangements or just because I chose drinking over something else. And the other thing is I definitely put myself probably in some somewhat dangerous situations, getting lost and attaching myself to strangers because it seemed like a good idea at the time. And I'm very lucky that nothing you know, catastrophic happened during those experiences, but I certainly lost a lot of purses and wallets and documents and phones and things like that, which, you know, especially if you are in a foreign country, can really put a damper on your vacation and add an enormous amount of anxiety. I also got in some fights with friends that I was traveling with on vacation, either because I was being really difficult and they were frustrated with me or because I was irrationally angry about something that really wasn't a problem. But to me, in the moment, it just seemed like, you know, some sort of huge injustice. So I could probably have been accused of ruining some nights on various vacations. I really, really think back and think of wasted time on vacations. I remember some mornings. Oh, our afternoons in a hotel or wherever it may be, just feeling so regretful, so sad that you have to leave and pack up and that you don't remember if that was the case for that particular trip or just wishing that, you know, I would leave a vacation feeling rested and rejuvenated because although I knew I would be drinking, I also had that in mind that I would somehow rest and rejuvenate, whereas that was never the case when I was drinking on vacation. I just really, really hated the fact that the time went so fast, didn't remember things, and then feeling like crap the next day. It was just devastating to me because I love traveling and I always look forward to it immensely. I really relate to that feeling of being so bummed out when you're packing to leave. I, for whatever reason, had a pattern of going extra hard the night, like the last night. And in many cases, I would have a 6 a.m. 
flight to get back. And if I went to bed at all, I got, you know, maybe an hour or two of sleep and was still drunk getting on the plane. And my poor husband has had to be the one to really prop me up, put a cup of coffee in my hand and say, it's time to go. You got to get it together. And so I, I think he is probably very, very happy for many reasons that I don't drink anymore, but not the least of which he no longer has to like pry me away from whatever I was doing the night before and put me on a plane after vacation. So, you know, chalk that one up. That's one, that's one unexpected benefit uh, is I'm actually able to show up for my departing flight uh, when it's time to leave. And also airports. I mean, airports for me were just a drinking free for all. It didn't matter the cost. Um, and I think I mentioned to you in airplanes when you're up in the sky, the debit card doesn't, it doesn't matter if you don't have money on your account. So you just can charge away. And the aftermath of that was never fun. Now going to airports, it, it, at the beginning, it was a little bit triggering, I suppose, but I just make a point to eat something yummy, you know, get some magazines, spend the extra money that I would have spent on alcohol on something like that if I feel the urge. Speaking of in the airports, we are not an AA-based program, but I just want to put this out there in case it's helpful to anybody. If you are really highly triggered in an airport, you can ask somebody that works at the airline. They will go on their loudspeaker and say, paging a friend of Bill. And that signifies for somebody that's in the AA program to come meet with you and you can have a, like a mini meeting that just the two of you or maybe more than one person will come and you can connect with somebody, fight through your craving with, with another person that understands. That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's so cool. I have never done it, but I did hear it exists. So figured it can't hurt to throw that out there. It cannot hurt. I do find airport bars particularly triggering because I used to travel for work a lot. And so, yeah, I can relate to that. And, and people that, you know, in an airport, it's almost like there's no judgment about right. drinking early in the day. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the drinkers are the drinkers and you sort of find, mm -hmm. find them like actually at the bar, like not at the tables, but at the bar bar. That's probably a different episode. Let's talk about being sober on vacation. Benefit number one, I would say, is that you will actually remember it and remember it as it was, not through, as, as one of my friends used to say, through a glass darkly. The other thing I wanted to mention is I find often that when I can remove myself from the day-to-day -day hustle and bustle of life, that is when I tend to have some of my most creative ideas when I'm not just churning through a to-do list or attending a bunch of meetings, but I actually have time to relax. And because I don't drink, I actually am very present to those thoughts and ideas and I journal and write them down and I have some kind of creative or intellectual bounty to come home with, which feels really, really good and was never, ever the case before. I would envision that I would have that and I would pack a journal and all the stuff perhaps for that moment. And I wouldn't. And yes, you're right. Now those, those moments can actually exist and it's really lovely. I think just anything compared to the non-sober vacations 
is relaxed. It might be a little less relaxing with a toddler, but even then it's just, it's so much better for me than the drunken debauchery trips. And, you know, I'll really, really make some time no matter what to, I like to do some exercise when I'm traveling, whatever that is, some movement, just go on a walk, music that, you know, or I usually travel somewhere where there's some kind of water. So if I can go on a swim, I will put those in to really, really make sure there's some kind of relaxing space for myself. I think I told myself previously that drinking was relaxing, but in fact, it was Mm -hmm. usually kind of frantic. And if I was drinking during the day, get that kind of mid-afternoon yucky Mm. headache hangover and feel like I had to drink more to kind of power through and then have a lot of anxiety and just spending so much time and energy trying to manage drinking, arrange for drinking, recover from drinking was actually Mm -hmm. not all that relaxing. So it was just sort of this fake idea of relaxation as opposed to actually laying there and doing nothing, which is really what, what we should be doing on vacation. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that vision of the day drinking just turns my stomach still when I think about it, because there's really nothing worse than that feeling right after when you're in that feeling. So not experiencing that is, is so worth it for me. Another thing is the food. I, you know, sometimes I've mentioned food and a lot of these benefits of sobriety, but you can actually experience the food at places where you are visiting and traveling and you're going to remember it more. You might try some different things that you wouldn't if you were drinking. You have to probably spend maybe money that you wouldn't have on all the courses. I mean, you know, that depends on the person, but the food can definitely be a real, real reason to not drink. When I think about how much money I spend on drinking overall, I cringe, but especially on vacations because they know, you know, that they're, <laughs> that your um, alcohol is like a major line item for tourists. And so the price of the drink goes up and the amount of alcohol in the drinks goes down. And so if you're able to just remove that line item, you have so much more money to spend on food, to spend on excursions, to spend on you know, whatever it is that might help you actually remember the trip. I do, what you were saying about exercise is interesting. There are two things that I really try to do on every vacation. One is to get up and see a sunrise because I think sunrises are so different in different parts of the world. And the other is if it's available, I try to go and do a yoga class, not necessarily because, you know, I have to do yoga every day or anything like that, but just because it's, it's, to me, really enriching to experience the way that yoga is taught in different places and by different people. And I've had the good fortune to do yoga in some pretty neat places on the beach and in kind of treehouse areas. And, you know, it's always interesting in tourist areas, often you will find yoga in unique and beautiful places. And to me, that's so worth it that spend the extra money and a little bit of extra effort to go and just tap in with yourself in a setting like that. In the past, it was not always, you know, didn't always make it on the itinerary or maybe I would tell myself I was going to do it, but I never actually did it because I was otherwise occupied. One of the things that Erin, I've heard you say is that when you're sober on vacation, you find that you're more present. And I'd like to dig into that a little bit because that also relates to our big sober energy tip. 
Yeah. It's helpful that I am not somebody that will overplan. I really just want to see how I feel when I get there. I don't really like to plan tons of excursions. It's kind of goes along with the there's more time to be had because you are not living in an altered state during the days on your travels. Yeah. What you said about there being more time, I think is really true. And I love this about the days that I get up and encourage myself to see the sunrise. And then you just have more, literally more hours in the day. And if you can take a few minutes and just get into the mindset of encouraging yourself to be present, reminding yourself to stay grounded in your physical body, to breathe, to not become attached to the outcome of what might happen in a given day or not get attached to the idea that you're going to be insanely happy or completely full of joy every single minute because that's basically just a setup for feeling disappointed. But remembering that sometimes the most fun times that we have don't actually feel that fun in the moment. This is something that I've definitely mm. learned as I've gotten older. Some of my most precious, cherished memories are things that in the moment I was like, ugh, like this is stressful or terrible or I don't are uncomfortable. And then I look back and I'm like, wow, that was a really enriching or life-changing or in some way mind-blowing experience, even though in the moment it did not feel great. So yeah, I think just recognizing when we go on vacation, all of our quote unquote stuff still goes with us and to have a lot of grace for ourselves. And sometimes when we relax, it's when the subconscious stuff decides to come out and do a dance on your brain and that that may happen. And so the sober tools need to go with you. The self-compassion needs to go with you. It and the the release of any expectation that everything is just going to be, you know, magical and perfect also just can really in fact be the key ingredient to having a vacation that actually allows you to be present and feels really restful and rejuvenating. And just let it be different than the travel you experienced before. It's okay to kind of miss maybe a fun drinking trip. That's okay. There were some fun parts about it. But just know that you can have fun. It will be different. You're just creating a different experience. And, you know, it's okay to miss it. It's okay to be like reminiscing a little bit and, you know, maybe maybe choose to go somewhere different. Don't try to go to the same place and replicate the exact same things, but just without alcohol. You know, if you don't have to do that, try something new. I think that release of nostalgia can also release us from the idea of like constantly comparing, like, am I having as much fun? You know, mm -hmm. am I as much fun? Are the people around me having as much fun? Which can be a real buzz, <laughs> a real buzz kill. each episode, we bring you a Big Sober Energy tip to help enhance your life and your recovery journey. Today's Big Sober Energy tip is leave your social media posts for when you get back from your vacation. And this really goes along with what we were saying about giving yourself permission to be mindful in the moment. I think it's totally fine to take some videos, take some pictures, document if that feels like a way to really create that snapshot in your mind. But rather than putting together a reel or a slideshow or like live streaming your ex entire experience, consider waiting until you get back, integrating that experience for yourself 
And then looking back at the pictures and the videos and deciding what do I want to share or do I want to share anything? And I think this has a couple of huge benefits. One, you have so little precious time when you're traveling or on vacation. So why would you spend any more time than you have to looking at a screen? And especially because we're never just posting our own stuff. You're always going to take a few minutes to scroll through and see what everyone else is up to. And that can just eat up time, headspace, and take you away from what you're truly there to experience. The second is you're really not going on vacation for anyone else. You're doing it for you and the people that you're traveling with. So if you and those people are the reason why you're there, keep your energy focused on you and those people and everyone else. You can share as much of the trip as you want to later. Maybe you are someone who really gets into travel photography or nature photography, or you want to share pictures of the kids on the beach or whatever. No harm, no shame in doing that. But those pictures are not going to be any less special to the people who see them if they're not seeing them the second that you take them. And it also just gives you more headspace to decide, why am I sharing this? Do I really want to share this? Am I sharing this for reasons that are in alignment with who I am and how I want to show up in the world? And that's not always our first impulse. Our first impulse is often affected by our conditioning or our subconscious beliefs. And if we can give ourselves a little more time to really think about how we want to show up, how we want to communicate our experience, you might make a different choice. And so you get more time back. You are more intentional about how you share. You spend more of your energy and your awareness with the people that you're with. So you're more fully present and immersed. And what I always find is the more present I am, the fewer pictures I take, but you don't really need them because you have it all in your mind. The other thing is that there are professional photographers out there who have taken much better pictures of the Eiffel Tower or the Aegean Sea or whatever it is than you could ever take. I always remind myself of that if I'm like, oh, I can't get a, a great picture of this, one of the seven wonders of the world. Well, there are great pictures of that that exist already. Put your camera away and just look at it and just feel energetically what it feels like to be there. That is a huge shift in the way that we often kind of bring that frantic must capture, must share social media vibe to our vacations. And if we can just let it go, uh, it can really, really benefit us and allow us to just relax and enjoy ourselves more. I love that. And I also want to say with a slight amount of humor, but I don't think a lot of people want to see your videos of statues. No. Do you remember in the old days how people would have each other over after they got back from vacation and show carousels upon carousels yes. and slides? Like nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody wants to see your vacation pictures. Truly, they don't. We are at the point in our episode where we're going to bring you a little bit of movement. And as you know, meditation and movement are essential components of the hangover liberation method. So I'm going to turn it over to Erin, who is going to walk us through a mini movement practice. Unless, of course, you are driving, cooking or something where it would be unsafe for you to engage, in which case pause the audio and come back later. But if not, turn it over to Erin. Let her take it away. Okay, so today we will be standing, and if standing is 
challenging for you, you can remain seated. That's fine. And we're going to stand in a neutral position of the spine, which is basically standing up nice and tall. And let's just feel your feet underneath yourself. Toes are pointing straight ahead. The knees are going to be going right over the toes. And then if you scan up the body, your sits bones will be right above the knees. And then just keep on going up. Everything stacked. Bones are kind of stacked like a skeleton is. Well, you are a skeleton. And then our pelvis is going to be in a neutral place. So I want you to think that your pubic bone and your hip bones, if you were to walk into a wall, they would hit the wall at the same time. Okay. Same thing for if you're sitting. If you're sitting up tall in the sits bones, you have that neutral placement, which leads to a little bit of arch in that low back, just a little bit. Okay. And then what we're going to try to do is just maintain that natural yet length feeling in the spine. And then just inhale, let your knees bend. So as you bend the knees, the knees are going to be going directly over the toes. The pelvis and spine will stay. And then as you exhale, we're going to just press into the floor and come up to standing tall, standing straight. Now, if the legs are not joining with this today, you're just going to envision this happening. So it's like, as you inhale, you're lowering down a little bit, let your lower belly relax and your pelvic floor relax. As you exhale, straighten the knees. We're going to kind of gather the sits bones together, which helps you engage the pelvic floor, the low abdominals and kind of lifting all the way up tall. Okay. So we'll just do this a few times. It's basically a knee bend or a plie, but there's a lot of thought going into it. We're going to inhale, bend the knees, let the low abdominals relax a bit. And then on the exhale, use that exhale to really push into the floor to kind of power yourself up to standing tall. And again, I also like to picture a string just gently pulling me from above as I bend the knees in opposition to create a feeling of length as those knees are bending down and kind of space in the spine. And then as I exhale, I'm again pushing into the floor to stand up tall. Let's do four more, but we're gonna take the legs into a externally rotated wide stance. So picture like a second position if you're familiar with that. And if not, just take your legs a little bit wider than your hips and turn those thighs out a bit, just so it's kind of like a 45 degree angle away from where you were. And then we'll just do the same thing. We're gonna inhale, practice this release of the pelvic floor and the abdominals as you go down. As you exhale, literally think you draw your sits bones together, engage the pelvic floor, engage those transverse low abdominals and come up tall. Okay. And we're doing all of this without the pelvis tucking or sticking the butt out too, too much extra. And again, just kind of letting the hip fold as you go down, inhale, and then exhale, pushing into the earth to come up. Let's do two more feeling the placement on your feet be evenly spread. So we're not letting the feet roll in or out as you're going down and then using a push of the legs into the earth to come on up. Last time, inhale as you bend and relax and then exhale, gather those low abdominals and come on up. Okay. That's kind of a lot for a little movement. If you have any questions, please, please, please reach out. 
Thank you so much, Erin. That was like a lot of thinking that went into a very small movement. But I yeah. like by the end, I was like, I got it. I think I've got it. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of like in ballet, you may see a dancer look kind of effortless, but it's not. So that's kind of the deal. It's like as you're lowering your body down by bending the knees, you're actually having a sense of opposition. And then it's that same thing. You find power in the opposition pushing into the earth to come up. I feel like there's a recovery metaphor in there somewhere. We're going to have to think about that one. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you all so much for spending this time with us today. And as always, if getting sober is something you want to do, or you're just at the beginning of your journey and you want some support, feel free to reach out to us. You can learn more about our work at revarecovery.com. That's R-E-V-A recovery.com. Or follow us on Instagram at Rever Recovery. We also have a free Facebook group full of wonderful people called Reva Holistic Recovery Support. And if you'd like to learn more about working with us directly, you can book a free visioning session by reaching out to us through any of those platforms. And if you like the podcast, we'd also appreciate it if you could give it a five-star rating and a review so other folks can find it. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, cheers to you and your liberation. The Hangover Liberation Society is a production of Feminist Hot Dog and Loudspeaker. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.